Well, how are you guys doing this morning? All right, good. Um, just a quick reminder, uh, next week we are bringing back Grace Kids, which I know a lot of you parents are super excited about, All right, especially my wife, and she's still in here, so we'll see how long you make it today. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a little tough, but we're trying to get back to normal as soon and as safe as possible, and so next week Grace Kids is back, we're excited about it, and I know a lot of you are excited about that too. If you haven't noticed, out in the world today, there's a lot of bad news. It's just bad news is everywhere. You can't run from it. You can't get away from it. You can't hide from it. It's just bad news here, bad news there. I mean, think about it. You turn on the TV, bad news. You're in the car. You turn on the radio, bad news. You go to work. What are you guys talking about? The bad news. All right. You, uh, you get on your phone. You get on your computer. And, you know, you're looking at social media, which I think is the worst Facebook or Twitter or whatever it might be for you, whatever your thing is, all right? And uh, not only do you read the bad news, but then you share the bad news, and then you argue with other people about the bad news, you know? It's just like all over the place. You can't get away from it. It's bad news all over. And what I've noticed in our society is that uh, the bad news ends up becoming our focus. And I know this personally because I struggle with this personally once in a while, where it's just the bad news begins to become our focus. Now, I feel like it's good to be aware of what's going on. I think there's a value in that, and, and, and we as Christians should be. But I also know that as Christians, it shouldn't be our focus. It's not what, uh, what we are supposed to be dwelling on all the time. All right? it, doesn't t- it shouldn't be taking up our time. And so sometimes we need to be reminded about the good news that God has given to us. Last week, uh, we uh, talked about John 3.16, one of the most famous, you know, well-known verses in the entire Bible. Most, maybe a lot of you, maybe even most of you in this room, you have that verse memorized. Um, and uh, and it's a story about this guy, this super deep religious guy, right, who's actually a teacher in Israel, he comes up to Jesus, and he basically asks Jesus, how do I get to God? All right, well, how, when is good good enough? What, it's all the, what, you know, how much good stuff do I got to do to get there? You know, what's the deal here? What, what's going on? And this is what Jesus answers him. Jesus explains it to him in this way. He says, for God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son, that he handed over his one and only son so that anyone who believes in him or believes in Jesus and believes in what Jesus did does not have to perish, meaning he does not have to, to, to pay for everything that they've ever done wrong, but instead get eternal life. It's the ultimate good news. All right, it's, it's the best news we could ever have. And so many of us in here, you know, we made that decision to follow Jesus and to believe in Jesus and to hand our lives over to Jesus or to surrender to Jesus. And we know the best news. But as we all know that when we, even though knowing the greatest news ever and having received the greatest gift ever, life's not always easy. It doesn't take away the bad news. Like the bad news is still always going to be there. I mean, just for an example, um, this past week within our little Tiffin Church family here, you know, I've talked to a bunch of people who are dealing with a bunch of stuff, a bunch of bad news in their life. I mean, I talked to a guy this past week who his wife wants to leave him. And she wants a divorce. I talked to another guy this past week who he just got, uh, he just got done with the you know, doctor, being at the doctor, and, and he got news that he's got this medical condition that's going to change the rest of his life. 
All right, meaning the rest of his life is going to be different from here on out until he dies. I talked to a lady this past week from our church who, um, you know, her best friend is dying. Same lady who just a few years ago, her, her son passed away. There's another lady in our church who her best friend died this week in a, in a crash. Talked to another guy uh, this week who he, uh, you know, he lost his son a few, within a matter of weeks ago. You know, there's just terrible, horrible stuff all around us. And it's terrible news, and it ends up coming when we least expect it. And what I've observed is that when bad things happen, and all of us do this to a certain extent, but when bad things happen, we tend to ask the question, why? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening now? And what we're trying to do is we are trying to, you know, we want to make sense of it all. We're trying to connect all the dots. And, and you know, if you think about it, Knowing why, and we all know this somewhere deep, deep, deep down, but knowing why, it doesn't take the pain away, but there's just something about us that if we can begin to connect the dots, then we feel like we can endure the pain or the loss or the suffering or the bad news better. We can just connect the dots. And so we ask why. You know, why now? Why them? Why this? Why is this happening to me again? Why, why is this happening, you know, now? And we try to piece things together and we ask questions like, all right, is there a bigger picture here? Or is there a greater good? Or is there some sort of purpose to this? I mean, we see this all throughout the Bible, too, with people in the Bible. Um, there was this guy uh, during Jesus' ministry, who actually one of Jesus' really, really, really good friends named Lazarus. And he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And a lot of you guys know this story. And uh, Lazarus ends up going sick getting sick. Jesus isn't anywhere uh, around. He's actually far away. And uh, Mary and Martha, they send a messenger to him and they say, hey, Jesus, you need to come back. Your friend Lazarus is sick. When Jesus gets the message, he doesn't go. He waits. In the meantime, Lazarus ends up dying. And then Jesus goes. And when Jesus goes, we see in the Bible, we see both Mary and Martha, not at the same time, but on separate occasions, they both have conversations with Jesus where they're like, why? Why did you allow our brother to die? Why is this happening? Where were you? All right, I mean, Jesus, you, you're the one. You could have healed him. Like, you could have fixed this whole thing. He didn't have to die. If you would just have, have come when we asked you to come, if you just would have, you know, been here, you know, why, and why are you coming now? Why are you so late? Please connect the dots for us is what they're asking Jesus to do. Please, Jesus, answer my why questions. See, that's in you, and that's in me. And 2,000 years ago, God connects three big dots for us. And these, uh, these dots really gives us the context for all the bad news that we have and all the bad things that we have experienced um, in this world. Now, it doesn't take away the bad stuff, but it does help us get through it. It does give us something to rest on. And these three truths and these three dots have given Christians joyful confidence for centuries. I mean, you go through and read through church history, which I personally find satisfying. A lot of you guys um, uh, might find that super boring. But, uh, but you know, I, I read through church history, and it is, so, you know, to me it's just so impressive that you have Christians who have endured such horrible, horrible stuff, like way, way more than any of us have even had, even come close to enduring. I mean, people, Christians being led because they're Christians to the Roman Colosseum where they're about to get, you know, torn up by wild animals. 
in front of a crowd of thousands, tens of thousands of people cheering it on. I mean, Christians who have watched their family members and their kids be tortured literally to death right before they're tortured to death. I mean, terrible, terrible, terrible stuff. And these, um, these promises that we're going to be looking at here this morning really has given them confidence for centuries. And they've helped believers who have gone through such terrible, terrible stuff really connect the dots to give them that confidence. And some would even say these are the greatest promises in the entire Bible. And actually, here as a, within our church, we've actually talked about this uh, before. So some of you, if you've been with us for um, the last few years, you might remember this. And uh, it goes like this. You re- ready for the three promises? The three good news. You guys ready? Okay, we got six. Okay, here, we're going to just roll with it then. I'll roll with you six people. The rest of you guys can just sit there. All right, here it is. Promise one. Our bad things turn out for good. Our good things can never be lost, and our best is yet to come. Okay, let me say that again. Our bad things turn out for good. Our good things can never be lost, and our best is yet to come. Paul, he actually starts explaining this. We see this in Romans chapter 8, one of the most well-known chapters in the Bible, and this is what he has to say in verse 28. Uh, He says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew and he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. See, we hear this verse a lot and and, and we hear a lot at funerals and when bad things are happening in our life and maybe we think through this promise because I think a lot of us Christians, you know, we've heard this a, a lot. Like, this is kind of like John 3, 16 to us. A lot of us, we have this uh, verse, Romans 8, 28, we have that memorized. And, um, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, that, that we rest in and, you know, we know. But I feel like we've heard it so much that it's probably a lot of us, it almost, it's like we've become numb to it. You know, like we know it, but we don't feel it. I mean, think about it in general. Um, we know that a lot of times that the bad things or pain that we go through produces good. Like, we all recognize it. Um, I mean, that's why, you know, people get tattoos, right? Tattoos. We make that decision in our mind that we're like, you know, this is going to be a little painful, but it's going to lead to my benefit, right? And that's why we, that's why some of you, I shouldn't say we, but that's why some of you work out, right? No pain, no gain, right? The pain's part of it. Is going to benefit you in some way. That's why people get their ears pierced. Right? I actually remember in college going with a friend of mine to go get her ears pierced. I don't know why I went. Uh, just kind of curious, seeing what this thing was all about. And it wasn't like the normal part of the ear. I don't know much about ear piercing, so I might say something wrong. I don't know. But it was like this like little knot of cartilage that sticks out. I don't know what that is or what that's for in your ear. But it's like this part right here. And it was horrifying. I mean, they are like sticking this thing through. And it's like I can hear the crunches and there's blood. And, and it's like, uh, and she's like all tense and she's in pain. And I was just like, why would anybody, this is not worth it. All right, but for a lot of you, that was totally worth it for you. And you're all about it. So that's good. But for me, I almost passed out on the floor. And it would have been super embarrassing. See, in general, we get that a lot of times that pain produces good or produces a benefit to us. But here's God. He's saying, nah, I can make it where all pain 
whatever you go through, I can make it where all bad can be for your benefit. Now, it's important to look at who this promise is to, okay? Because it's not to everyone. This is what he says, if you, if you caught it. He says, this promise is for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. What he's saying is, he's like, this promise isn't for everybody out there. Right? This promise is specifically for Christians. Now, well, the question is, what's a Christian? All right, what, what, who, who's within that category? And a Christian is really somebody who has made the decision to hand over their life to God. Now, that might sound easy, and a lot of people in this room, you're probably going, oh, yeah, 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 that's me, I'm good. All right, you got to understand, that means that you have to understand that that is, that means that you don't think you're good enough to get to heaven or to have that relationship with God. But you are resting 100%, not 50%, not 75%, not 99%. You are resting 100% on what God or what Jesus did on the cross. It's not by how good you are. It's not that, oh, I hope my, someday my, my good outweighs my bad and I think I'll be good. That's not how it is. It's not reality. But that's how we all, somewhere deep inside, we're all trained to think that way, it seems. No, a Christian is somebody who has handed over their life 100% to Jesus and believe in what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on that cross and to believe that Jesus is the only way to God. Not by what you do, not by being good, not by getting baptized, not by being a good person, not some other religion. Oh, all the religions, oh, they all kind of go the same way. No. See, those of us who have done that, that's who this promise is to. Just because someone says they're a Christian doesn't make them a Christian. Just because you believe that you're a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. In fact, I would argue that probably most people by far, all right, in the world today that call themselves Christians aren't actually true Christians because they've never truly surrendered themselves over to God or over to Jesus. They've never actually started that relationship. But those of us who have, what great news like, how awesome is this? How awesome is that promise that God can use anything, whatever, doesn't matter how bad it is in our life, that God can use it for our good, for our benefit. I mean, that's, it's, it's so great. Actually, Charles Spurgeon, he was a, uh, a well-known preacher in the 1800s. This is what he said. He said, if all things do not always please me, we understand that, right? He says, they will always benefit me. This is the best promise of this life. See, as Jesus followers, even when faced with bad news, which every single one of us are, we can rest in the fact that God gives us good news. We can rest in the fact that somehow or for some reason that he cares about us enough and that he loves us enough and that he's powerful enough and able to use whatever terrible situation or terrible circumstance is going through our life, no matter how bad it is, and he could take that thing, that, that thing that's in our life, and he can turn it and change it, and he can make it good for us. Now, when we're in the middle of it, that answer isn't always emotionally satisfying. I mean, it's not. Meaning I'm not going to have somebody come after the service and, and come to me and say, wow, Zach, that was, a, that was a great message. You know what? I just feel so much better about having just been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. Woohoo! Awesome. Can't wait to see how this works. You know, no one's going to do that. See, uh, this promise, it doesn't diminish the pain, but it does help us get through the pain. 
By the way, did you catch the goal? Did you catch the why? Why does God do this? Next verse. He says, this is why. He says, for those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He's saying this is why. We should all be trying to, to be conformed to Jesus, like getting closer with Jesus and becoming more and more like Jesus. I mean, that's the whole plan, right? Like that's the whole goal is for us to become more like Jesus, meaning that God promises to use any situation to help make us more wise and stronger and braver and more righteous and, and just plain all, all around more Christ-like. See, not only do the bad things turn out for good, which is such an awesome promise, but our good things can never be lost. Check this out in Romans chapter 8, verse 35. He says, who could separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Just fast forward to a few more verses later. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers... Right, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you get what he's saying here? He's kind of going overboard here. Right? He's, he's saying, hey, this good news that we have, these promises that God has, has just given over to us, he's saying these good things can never be lost. Like they're here to say, like nothing can separate us from him. Like it's done. It's over. When we go to Jesus and we go to God and we surrender our lives to him and we make that decision, once we have truly handed over our life, the Bible's saying what Paul's saying is we are his. Like we belong to him and he wants us. There's no situation. There's no thing. There's no one who can separate us from his love. Actually, if you didn't notice, Paul, he goes into some detail here, right? Like he, he's, he's going crazy. He's like, hey, he's, trying, he's just listing stuff off. He's like, angels can't do it. Government rulers can't do it. You know, present situation, that can't separate you from God's love. And in the future situation, whatever's going to happen, you don't even know about that. can't separate you from God's love. And there's no amount of power and no created thing. And there's no problem or no danger that, that comes into your life that could separate you from his love. I mean, he loves us so much. Actually, for Christians, a few verses earlier, Paul, he describes us, he describes us as being adopted by God. Adopted by God. He says we are heirs. Actually, it's even more than that. He says, actually, we are co-heirs with Jesus. Meaning God's saying, hey, everything that I have will be yours someday, right? Everything that I have will be yours. We are his heirs. It's almost like, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad now, and so, you know, whatever me and Kate have, or Kate and I, uh, whatever Kate and I have, you know, will someday, eventually when we die, uh, we'll go to our kids because they are our, our heirs, all right, everything that I have one day will be theirs. I mean, right now it's not looking too good. It's only like 150 bucks in the bank, a half of a 1989 GMC truck and a tractor that I don't use for anything and a mortgage payment, all right? So hopefully I don't spend it all in one place. But, uh, but God's saying, hey, everything that I have 
is going to be yours because you are my heir. Meaning God's saying my stuff is going to be your stuff. See, not only does God help us connect the dots by giving us these three promises or giving us these promises, but these promises, they're here to stay. Right? Like, they can't be taken from us, which is sweet. This is really good news. It can never be lost. And then on top of that, the third one that he says, remember? I don't remember. <laughs> he says, our best is yet to come. He's saying, on top of that, not only can he turn anything that bad in our life for good, and not only can do all these promises, that the good that he gives us, they can never be lost. Like, they're here to stay. But not only that, but, but our best is yet to come. In, uh, in verse 18, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, we all understand the sufferings of this present time because we all have suffered, okay? Uh, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. He said it's not even worth comparing. Like whatever you're dealing with right now, and I know some of you, you're dealing with some heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. But just think about it. It is nothing compared to what we get someday in this future kingdom or, or, or when we die heaven as, as, as believers. There's nothing compared to what we get. I mean, the terrible things in life, this bad news that we hear all the time, it doesn't come, it doesn't even come close to what God has in store for us. Now, I was trying to think through this week, and I'm trying to figure out how, how this all fits together. And, and I started thinking, you know, I'm like, there are a lot of people out there that I know are having super difficult times. It's just stuff, like, like those people that I talked about the, at the beginning, you know, it's just stuff keeps popping up, and bad news doesn't go away. It's just, all, it's just here to stay. And, and I totally recognize that some of you have gone through some tragic, horrible stuff, stuff that I can't even imagine. And I know that it can be difficult to feel this promise. Like it just doesn't, like you know it, but it just doesn't, it doesn't feel real. But as I was thinking through and reasoning this in my mind, I started thinking, I was like, you know what? Those of you who have been through some tragic or horrible event in your life, like in a sense, just hang with me for a second, but in a sense, you may have a better idea of the immense goodness that God has in store for us in our future because you've experienced the immense badness of this life. Meaning that knowing the truth that the future good far outweighs the bad. Like, that, like that's, just, that's just the truth that this promise that God gives us. And I know a lot of you, you've experienced a lot of bad. It's like the bad has been so great in your life. You've experienced so much. But then you're more than, any, you know, more than a lot of us, you can understand how good it's going to be. Because the good is just going to far outweigh that bad. It doesn't even come close to the amount of the future good. See, the future for us as believers, meaning this future kingdom that God is promising us and that, uh, that will happen someday, Paul says that even nature can't wait for it. Next verse. In verse 19, he says, For the creation eagerly waits with the anticipation for God's Son's 
to be revealed. Hold on, let me talk about eagerly waits real quick. This, uh, this word in the Greek is actually a super vivid word, and it, it, it paints the picture of a child standing on their tippy toes looking out the window, or, you know, looking at whatever. I guess it doesn't have to be out a window. I don't know. But looking and, and, and looking at something that, that's happening. Like, they can't wait. They're excited. They're pumped up. They're eagerly waiting for whatever's going to be happening. All right? That's the picture it gives. Almost like a child on Christmas morning. Like, uh, think about this. Like, back, um, you know, think back when you were a kid and you go to grandma's house. Okay? At least this is how it was for me. Both of my grandmas, super good cooks. I loved you know, I loved, you know, supper time or dinner time was the best, okay? But once in a while, one of my grandmas would make something that it would be like, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm going, this ain't kid food. I don't know what this is, but this ain't right. You know, because you're a kid and you're a little more picky than you should be, and it's just, you know, it's, it's not good. Now I'd probably eat anything and love it. But as a kid, you're like, what? I don't want this. But you know what keeps you at the table or what kept me at the table? It was the phrase after we were done of, everybody keep their forks, you know what I mean? And you're like, dessert's coming, about to give me some pie, my grandma makes the best pies, can't wait for this pie, you know, it, it, it's that, like, you're eat, like as a kid, even though you're going through this meal and you're like, this is boring, they're talking about grown up stuff, um, you know, I don't like this, this food isn't my favorite, and you know, I can't go away because I got to be polite because I'm at my grandma's house, but you're like, but dessert's coming, right? As a kid, that's like what you're eagerly waiting for. You can't wait for it. Like it's coming, and, and, and you're waiting for your grandma to say those words, ready, ready to dig in to that pie that she had just baked. In the next verse, verse 20, that's, that's, the, that's what's going on with nature. Like nature is pumped. Nature is waiting. Like let's go. All right? Next verse says, for the creation was subjected to futility. Futility meaning like frustration. He says, for creation was subjected to frustration, not willingly, but because of him, God, who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. See, Paul's saying, guys, church, don't you get it? Like, don't you understand? Look, here's, here's the situation. He's saying you got to look at big context here. You got to understand really the full story. Look past your life. He's saying in the beginning, God made the earth perfect. Like everything was exactly how he wanted it. But eventually sin entered the world. And he's when sin entered the world, God had to judge the world. And he judged all creation. He not only judged nature, but he judged the relationship between his creation. He judged the earth. He judged the animals. He judged the people. And, and sin has reigned ever since. Like, sin has been corrupting it ever since. I mean, think, of, think about it. Have you ever wondered why you wake up in the morning and your back aches? Ever wonder why you, why you pull a muscle? AJ hobbled into the office this week because he had pulled a muscle throwing a baseball. And he, if you've seen him throw? Underhand, yeah. I'm like, come on, man. All right. You understand why that happens? Newsflash. All right, we are in bondage to decay. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying the whole earth, like you are in bondage to decay. The whole earth is in bondage to decay. It's just some of us um, decay a little faster than others, apparently. But, uh, 
But here, God's, I mean, we ask God, we ask God the why questions. We're like, why is this happening to our nation? Like, why is this, is all this going on? And the, the answer really is, well, the whole nation is, bond, in, is in bondage to decay. Okay, well, God, why is this happening in my life? Why did this have to happen to her? Or why did this have to happen to him? We ask them the why questions. And the answer technically is, well, we are all in bondage to decay. It's not just something in your world broke. It's that the whole world is broken. It's not something, just something in your marriage or just your kids or just your career. It's that the whole world is broken. I mean, it's why things just don't work out sometimes. It's why things go wrong. None of us are exempt from it. But did you catch what he said? But Paul says there is hope. Verse 21, he says, the hope that the creation itself will, meaning future, someday, future tense, also, also with who? Meaning, meaning with us. He says, the hope that the creation itself will also, along with us, be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. He's saying the hope, the hope that we have, it's not just for creation. It's not just for nature. Way more importantly, much more important, he says, it is for us. He's saying our best is yet to come. He's saying God's got something so crazy planned for us. I'm not talking like, like something so crazy that, oh yeah, in 20 years my, my career is going to be you know, off the hook. My career is going to be awesome. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, I'm saying big picture. I'm saying after that. I'm talking about his kingdom. God's saying that thing that can never be taken from us. He's saying someday, he's talking about heaven. He's saying, hey, this is going to be so much greater, meaning our best is, is yet to come. We will be set free from this decay. And that's the best part. See, what Paul is doing here is he is connecting the dots. He's saying, hey, these three dots or these three truths or these three promises, he's saying they connect together and they help answer our why questions. Doesn't necessarily take the pain away, but it does help us through it. See, these, these dots that he connects for us, they're the reason why we as Christians don't focus on bad news. Because there's so much good stuff that we're looking forward to. Because we know that when bad things happen in our life, that, you know, it's, it, it, it's going to be all right. We know there's these good promises, they can't be taken from us. I mean, they're here to stay. And so whatever happens in this country, whatever happens in our life, whatever's going on in our own little world around us, we can rest in the fact that our bad things turn out for good. That our good things, they're here to stay. They can never be lost. And that our best is yet to come. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we thank you for giving us these promises. Actually, more than that, we thank you for the ultimate good news that you came and that you died for us and you sacrificed yourself so that we don't have to pay for all the things that we've ever done wrong. If we we're all, if we're all we're honest with ourselves, it'd just be too many to count, millions. But you paid for that so that we can have a relationship with you, so that we can have this 
awesome, good news, this promise that you've given us. God, we thank you for these three promises that also accompany that. Lord, that you can turn anything, no matter how bad it is, God, you are powerful enough and you're willing enough and, uh, and, and you love us enough to change that for our good. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for doing that for us. We don't deserve it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.